What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Middle cool. Hey, behaves. Uh, you know, you you made a good point to me. We'll talk about the tournament in a second, but you're right. Like, I, I'm I'm I think I'm buying your theory that like Thursday, Friday, it's awesome, but the quality you're just like hoping to see. There's just so many games that you'll see something good, but it's not. Maybe it's we think it's a little better than it is Thursday, Friday. It's just the volume is great, and it's like during work time for people that work. Yeah, I I think it does a good job of teasing us a little with like some of the future stars in this tournament, like obviously John ja Morant, the dude, little dude from Wofford. It gi- it gives you a little taste in your palate for what you might get this weekend, and then it kind of keeps the ball rolling into the Sweet 16. But you called how many games yesterday? Four. Four. At one point in time, I looked up. And I swear to God, the Gonzaga score said 370 to 7. <laughs> well, I turned to somebody. I was Did, like, what was the line on this game? And they were like, 27. Because I thought, like, maybe if I would bet the game, it would have been able, I would have kept my energy up. And it was like, well, no, that wouldn't have helped because they were up by 40. So even a 27-point line wouldn't have done me any good. Did you know by about one minute in that the other team was in trouble? Yeah. Yeah. The fighting, uh, the fighting Bill Horrendous. How many people, what was like the best attended part of the game? The later, like no, the night you know, game? No, the, the first game was really well attended too. They all were, I mean, the crowds were great. Salt Lake City uh, has been in the news lately for their basketball passion. Um, but that, the arena was sold out and. Uh, uh, yeah, I'd say like, the state, I'd say the state of Utah has had like a month run. Wouldn't you say? With Nevada and that whole deal and Utah oh, yeah, State. Nevada, I forgot about that. The Utah. BYU's always just people are a little uneasy about playing there. So, yeah, so their good, reputation's well-earned. Good crowds the whole time, yeah. The first game was uh, Auburn-New Mexico State. Did you see the end of that game? I did not. Did New Mexico State hit a long shot to cover or something? Uh, I wanna, I'll want to. i run that one by you in a minute. Uh, but first, let's just tell the people that this podcast, podcast, that this podcast is brought to you by Ease. Ease, the best delivery platform to get the best legal license. Fully tested marijuana products delivered to you in California. Twenty-one or over, you get verified online in minutes, and then you just start you just start picking. You just start putting stuff in the bag, and it'll get delivered to you in 
in minutes, in literally minutes. I actually did that last week when I got some of my edibles. Uh, and they're actually like a little gummy. Uh, they're an upper. So I, I actually took it yesterday <laughs> before the early games. Might have been a little much. Uh, but, uh, it, it's, it's, it keeps you going. You know, it's like, uh, it's an upper, a sativa and it was great. Ease.com promo code ham. I got $20 off my purchase. And because I purchased multiple things, it was over $50. I got a free delivery. Again, tell all your friends, the Bay area, Sacramento through the Valley, Southern California, orange County. They've even infiltrated Portland promo code ham, promo code ham, ease.com promo code ham. E-A-Z-E. Dot com. Uh, podcast also brought to you by my bookie, and we're, we're doing this podcast Friday morning, so we're gonna coming up. We'll pick some of the Friday night games, some of the Saturday games. Uh, my bookie, no better time than now. Get on it, mybookie.ag. Promo code ham numeral one. Was following along some of uh, your Insta story yesterday, Middlecoff. I thought we had the St. Mary's game. Uh, I, I I didn't. I didn't. Uh, it wasn't. I could tell about halfway through oh, really? they, they weren't the better team. But then the game, I could see if you were just like looking at an ESPN.com because it was, was always doing. like a five-point game. Yeah. When you're watching it, it was clear like I'm in trouble. Uh, but I fundamentally disagree with hedging. If I would have won that game, I would have got 3000 I could have easily bet 1500 to win a thousand and just broke even, made some money. Uh, but I didn't. Like the highs are high and the lows are low. That wasn't a low. I mean, I the Yale hit. You know, you kind of talked me out of Murray State, so I, I have some resentment there. Uh, yeah, I just think you talked me into the other guy, and then watching that game, that was a bloodbath. But I've been thinking about some games today, guy. There are some no, interesting No, you throwaways. said you watched YouTube, and you thought Marcus Howard was better. Well, I did, but you got me thinking about it. But again, like, I, I still would have taken St. Mary's probably in the parlay, so it wouldn't have mattered. That today there's some interesting, as we're talking right now, UC Irvine's getting a lot of buzz. Uh, as an underdog, Washington, whose coach just got an enormous extension, they are pretty big underdogs to Buffalo. Uh, and I, I've seen a lot just the yesterday, a lot of the lower seeds covered, not not counting like the 116s, but just the 11.7s or the 10.7s, the 11.6s. Like that, that was a uh, profitable day yesterday for the, the undercard. Wasn't Was Baylor the underdog against Syracuse? Uh, that I don't, I mean, if it was, it was close, I think maybe yeah. two and a half or something, one and a half. I don't know. I did not check that one. I should have. And they, they, they were the better team. Uh, Syracuse, what the eight nines are kind of a coin flip, Yeah. but I'd say like UC Irvine against Kansas state, which by the time you're listening to this is already tipped off. That's, that's an interesting one guy or Arizona state Buffalo like Irvine in that one. I know doc rivers, kids on the squad. Uh, I know nothing about Irvine, but. They look like a sexy pick. Well, they're playing close to home. I can tell you that. San Jose. Uh, let's see. Where's Rivers' kid? He averages 1.4 points. So, yeah, he's not He's not really uh Outside chance we could get this out before tip-off. Outside chance. He's not a scorer. Uh, all right. MyBookie.ag. Promo code HAM1. Get 50% bonus your initial deposit. All right, John, let's get into the tournament a little bit here. Uh, and again, mybookie.ag, promo code HAM1. Um, I, I like You could make the case, right, that Thursday, Friday is, is fast food and Saturday, Sunday is more steak. Thursday, Friday is dollar menu. 
I think I I remember my dollar menu meals very fondly. Like there's a lot of them. I, I have. Yeah, I've had memories. some pretty good ninety nine cents double cheeseburgers at various establishments exactly. over the years. No, no, no doubt, no doubt. So <laughs> okay. I'm not I'm not uh, not saying Friday Saturday uh, Thursday Friday suck at all. Um, all right, but what are you looking at? So I think one I saw something yesterday Thursday that Oregon over Wisconsin was like the most popular upset pick in ESPN's bracketology. Yeah. Um, I don't think that like the line uh, last I saw was Wisconsin minus two. I'm not sure if it's still that, but for a 12 five, like this is what you were just talking about. Uh, there are some of these games that the seating, there's a wide margin, but the teams really are not viewed as a wide margin. Like for example, Washington, Utah state, that's an eight, nine, but the line is bigger. Utah state three and a half. Yeah. So you're getting <clears throat> what's crazy about that to me is they are the Pac-12 champions, regular season champions. They have a big-time coach. They're just a good team. And they're almost a four-point underdog to the Mountain West champions, right? Yeah. Utah State won the Mountain West Correct. and the conference tournament. I mean, they're good, That's which is not – I guess in college basketball we've seen for years, like if you're the best team in the Mountain West, you might be a top-10 team. If you – you know, uh, what's a crazy-ass coach uh, – at Wichita State, like they've been, you can play in smaller conferences and be a top 10 squad. That's not unnormal. But I also think sometimes that when you get the power five team, you can almost just find great value when they are a bigger underdog. Like is, or is anyone on the University of Washington squad when they walk in today going to think that Utah State is their equal? Like think that they're not better. No. Not that they're not going to take sure. them seriously. I, I just oh. think that like that they're going to come in. They're going to think they should win that game. Right. And I saw John Morant yesterday was like, we just thought we were better than Marquette. You know, that these guys, that's like in college football, the craziest part about to me to the tournament is like the difference between a starter at LSU, a non-NBA guy or NFL guy, just a starter at LSU relative to the starter at the University of Nevada or the starter at the University of just like Memphis is pretty fucking wide. And I'm not ta- I'm just talking just your starting player that's not an NFL player. To me the starting player at Washington relative to the starting player at Wofford, the thing about basketball is much closer than two non-NBA guys, right? Like guys that may play in Europe or whatever. That's what makes the tournament kind of really hard to gauge. Like I'm right. watching Wofford yesterday and Belmont thinking like, Jesus Christ, these guys are good. You you, you did Baylor-Syracuse. I mean, I, I just thought Baylor was the better team. Like, Baylor's got dudes. They also shot 50% from three, which happens when, when that happens to Syracuse. Like, that's the thing with Washington, right? Same deal. That's the zone. If you hit a bunch of threes against that, you're, gonna, you're probably going to win the game. But just the eyeball test, didn't you think Baylor's just got some pretty big-time athletes? Yeah, but Baylor's pretty – like, Baylor's been to the tournament now five out of six years. So, yeah. I don't know if they're, they're – I mean, they're in the Big 12. Player. Yeah. They're the, but that's what I'm saying. They're in the Big 12. Like, they're not in the Mountain West. No, they're not. So, I, I, I'm not even talking – yeah, I'm not talking about them like an under – but I, when you look at – did you have any – you didn't have any, like, uh, teams like that really yesterday because you just had a bunch of big-time programs. But, like, Belmont, Wofford, teams like that just look to me like Baylor – you know, that's Utah State might just blow out Washington because you know what? They might just be fucking good. Yeah, like uh, Buffalo ASU. Um, I really, I, I loved, as you remember, Arizona State to beat St. John's the other day. Loved it. Felt really good about it. I don't feel good about them against Buffalo today. I kind of like Buffalo today, John. But the line's 
kind of big, right? I, I think I saw it at five. Five, it, yeah, it's yeah. five. For Buffalo. Um, the, the one thing to me, for the underdog, if you have a star player, like a Jimmer Fredette, a John Morant, a Steph, you know, a, a, a mid-major program with an NBA guy, it can just kind of separate you. Like, you might just roll into the game with the best player. And I think we see in college football, yeah, just because you're a mid-major and you're playing LSU in the bowl game, you might have a couple NFL players, but there's so many players on a football field, it doesn't impact it as much. Where in basketball, if you got one NBA player, especially if he's a top 10 pick, you got a chance to beat anyone beside like the super big dogs that have multiple guys, right? That's what's kind of cool about the tournament is like, John Morant could go on a run to the Elite Eight just because he'll be the best player on right. the court ever. Like, Mark Stein had a good tweet yesterday. He's like, well, it's pretty clear we know the one-two in this draft. Zion and Now, John. the one thing I would say is depending on who has the number two pick that might not need a point guard, you know, he is, like any team would take Zion. If you already have a legit point guard, like, for example, if you like the Kings, or like not every team, there are a lot of point guards in the NBA. Yeah. By the but, way, I wasn't crazy. He looks incredible. I got a DM from Joseph Hoyt, and he explained, because we were talking about Jai, he said, uh, the part about John Morant playing with Zion on the same AAU team, I cover high school sports, and when it comes to AAU, that actually makes sense. Teams roll out changing lineups all the time, so they'll make room on a game day lineup for the best players, but if those players are busy on recruiting trips or other things, they need to call up other guys to fill in the roster. So maybe that's what happened with Ja, which is nuts considering how good he is. Yeah. Um. I mean, 16 assists, John. Like, the first triple-double since since uh, Draymond Green. Draymond, I know. <laughs> How great was that? I thought that was my favorite part of the thing. Yeah, there, there the is, like, to me, for him, what would you imagine the big question mark in NBA circles? Like, are we sure this guy can really hang? And then he does shit like this against high level. Like, if he beats Florida State. Well, that's the game, John, because this game is physically, like, Marquette's one thing, but Florida State's, like, the 11th tallest team in college basketball. Like now there's now he's playing legit athletes. Guy, if he goes 25, 10, and eight against them and they win, like lock it in. Could he go one? I mean, you, you could make like it's not crazy. I'm not saying that you can start talking yourself into like, is this Russell Westbrook? Well, yeah, well exactly. Like if Jerry West came out and said, I think John Moran's better than Zion, would that shock you? Well, it would have to no. be Jerry West. But I don't think it's even that crazy of a statement, right? I'm just saying, like, unless someone like Jerry says it, people are gonna be like. Oh, shut up, you know. But if Jerry said, he'd be like, wait a second, what? Like when Mayock said Khalil Mack was the best pass rusher in that draft. It was like, oh, well, Mayock said it. Well, like if Steph Curry, what, what year was that? Like, oh, at nine or ten? Ten years ago. Did years that. Ago yesterday. Did that, that today. That the first round game. If the equivalent of Steph guy did the run that he did ten years ago, today, shooting threes like that, would we be talking about this guy going number one overall? Like, doing what he does in this climate of NBA. I Shooting threes like that? Yes. I mean, because he, he still went pretty high. But, like, yesterday, the only reason I know is the anniversary, because yesterday I was watching the SVP show, and he said Thursday was the 10-year anniversary of their first round win, and then they beat Who'd George. they, who'd they, who'd they um, play? I don't remember. I was only what, what What were they, like a 10? They ended up playing Georgetown in the second round beating them. But I just yeah. – they showed the old highlight from 10 years ago. I just saw the beginning of it, and he's like – Del Curry's son, Steph. The one thing was Steph was so skinny. You know, like he did look so young. Yeah. 
I could still see people like it's easy to say now like he definitely go number one, but I I could still people go like ah. But he, he definitely wasn't dunking but he, on, he but he but he, but he, wasn't he wouldn't dunking go on seven. People. He no, would not he was, go. No, he'd go ahead of Johnny Flynn and, and Ricky Rubio, but he wasn't yeah. dunking on people like John ja Morant is. Yeah, but he was shooting better. No, no, I know, but I'm just saying like I still think the same like the when we just take his like his physical attributes, I think it'd still be hard for people to stomach. Then I agree. It's, it's, it's just different. It's unique. It's more John Morant is less unique than Steph. Like we've seen dudes like Russell Westbrook. That's that's his comp. I've been hearing that all season from like NBA guys I follow. Like this dude's Russell Westbrook. I kept thinking like, God, that's pretty bold. And then you watch him two hand tomahawk over dudes from the ACC. You're like, maybe he kind of is. <laughs> you know, like Jesus Christ. And the thing on Russell back then, remember when they drafted him? One. People thought that they drafted him way too high because they took him like fourth. And he was kind of this raw, didn't really have a position. It was like, can he run the point? And I think we're still talking about that 10 years later. Like, is Russell a true point guard? He's kind of this hybrid. Like, this guy is a true passer. Like, he's throwing like no-look fucking passes to wide-open, random-looking guys. Like, I almost said it looks like you, but they, their actual team doesn't look that terrible. No, their team does That's the crazy thing, right, <laughs> is they do have yeah. a few good players. Yeah, he's like, but he's throwing like half court oops. There is a natural point guard feel to this kid where he's pretty fucking good. Like to me, he's got a chance. Like Zion is college basketball, but if they beat Florida State and get to the Sweet 16, to me that's the number one story because every for this tournament because everyone expects Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, all those teams to get there. It's gonna be if this guy can upset Florida State and take I don't even know who they would take on, but. Do you have the bracket uh, in front of you? Yeah, Gonzaga. Or Baylor. Like, I mean, wouldn't you say Gonzaga-Murray State's a pretty sweet, sweet 16 game? It's awesome. But I also think we're talking about this. Duke hasn't played yet. So, like, if Friday night— But again, like, he's already the story. Like, he, he no, dunks— well, I, That's and... what I'm saying. Like, But he can still become the bigger story. He can, like—I'm just saying we haven't resigned on ceiling think, I guess he is the bigger story just because his name, but this guy could be the tournament story. Like Zion already is the yeah, MC, he is I'm saying provided Zion doesn't do just like four straight games of twenty eight points and like crazy dunks. Like I'm not writing Zion off for being the story of this tournament yet. Yeah. Because I, he's I, just starting with such a head start. Like if I'm Zion saying, put it this way, John. If Zion had the game that Ja Moran had last night, like it was huge for for Ja, but I think it'd be But I, I would say the different the hard part for Zion in the first round, you don't get much credit for going nuts. No, no, six, I know. I'm just saying like that's I know true. what you're saying. That's true. That is true. And he was playing. Mark I, I just Tower think he, I think this guy is the only one. Non like Gonzaga and the program gets a lot of credit, and North Carolina, but like the one individual that can just damn. Well, you see what John ja Morant is doing, like can kind of gain some momentum because because the one caveat that he has, that's the other. That's the guy that could compete with Zion to be the number one pick. Right. That's where you just get a different type. Like he's the only guy in this tournament that can get that. I agree. I agree with that. Did you see his coach, what his coach said about his son? His son, I guess, is like eight or nine and is big like NBA 2K. And his son told him that he's tanking his NBA 2K season so that he can draft Ja. That's the coach of Murray State. (laughs) So can you imagine playing a video game? Like this is how mainstream tanking is now. Just tanking a season in 2K. For draft position. You blame the kid? Well, my question is, is he playing it, or is he just letting the game, sim- like, benching everybody and simulating? Or does he have to imagine, play it to tank? I, I, would, I would imagine he simulates. 
But if his team's good, like if he's got whoever, I don't know, the Celtics, like you can't simulate it and tank. Like they're going to win too much. You have, do you have, I, know saying, like, I think he's got to play the game and intentionally like turn the ball over. Yeah, that, that would be tough. But kids have a lot of time on their hands. And I, so that why would incredible. Just tells you how yeah. they, they love Ja Morant. That kid, if you were Murray State's coach's son and you're nine and you what, – what, the age is eight, right? It's your sweet spot to fall in love with sports and, and specific games and players right, right. and teams. John Morant is going to be your Michael Jordan the rest of your life, oh, right? Man. Especially if he becomes a good NBA player like that because he's going to know him. So yeah. he's going to know the kid's name. Right. Like to that guy, that's his hero for life. How – there will never be another individual in that guy's life. Now, maybe one day his wife and his kid. I'm not saying like his dad, but just one human that he's going to probably no one he'll ever root for harder. That'll just mean more to that guy's core that you could never. That's pretty cool. There, There's something about these small school guys, right? Uh, like Steph, where you are so clearly the hero from that university. Like it's one thing if you're a Kentucky guy, but there's 19 Kentucky guys in the NBA. So when you go back for a Kentucky game, like, it's cool, but it's not the same as when Steph goes back to Davidson or, like, forever when uh, 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 Ja goes back to Murray State. Who's uh, who's I going to say? Who's the other? Oh, or, like, if Dame. I don't know. Does Dame ever go back to Weaver State? <laughs> no. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. But, you know, like, the even smaller school, not even smaller school, but just, like, Paul George in Fresno State or Kyle Kuzma in Utah. Like, yeah. when you're the James Harden, ASU treats James Harden this way. Like uh, Derek Fresno State, Jimmy Garoppolo, Northern Illinois. There's does, just does he, go a lot, does he go back to Northern Illinois a lot? Well, I think Donald's family live in Chicago. Oh, okay. I don't know. I just I'm just saying. Yeah. But for basketball, it's a little different, right? Because everyone sees you in the crowd. You're just walking through everybody. You're on the yeah. floor. You're sitting courtside. That's what's part of this tournament. And the way you become that guy is just sweet tournament stuff. Yeah, it's it's something like uh, you know whenever you see like Alabama in a playoff game. And it's like 18 of their – like Julio's trying to box out Amari with like Minka around there with like in the backgrounds Mark Ingram. It's like, you know, who really – like they're all looking to kind of get, you know, the jerk-off stash from everyone. Yeah, but yeah. there's so many of them. Like like you said, what's showing up at Duke? Like besides like Grant Hill, you're kind of overshadowed. But if you are the dude at the smaller school, you, you're just – like Larry Johnson to UNLV – if you're a diehard UNLV fan for all those years and a running rebel guy, like he just means more than like who's Duke's guy. They have a million of them. Or Not North Kyrie. Carolina. Like does Kyrie get the treatment when he shows no. up? No, <laughs> no. Does he even feel like Duke? Bobby. To me, to me, that's what makes Zion pretty unique. If he leads them to a championship, like he'll get immediately vaulted up pretty yeah. high. Yeah, yeah. Leitner level. But like John Morant, if he can take this team to the elite eight, win three games. One, if he were to beat Gonzaga. So he could beat Florida be State and Gonzaga. Oh. I mean, he would be – he'll never – he'd never be top. I, I re, I'm going to be really upset if they lose to Florida State because I want that game with Gonzaga. Bad. I wonder, like, would they match up pretty well with them? They got they got a lot of, like, athletic guards, right? Um. Well, Gonzaga's got, like, three legit forwards. They're all what's the guy, just like – What's the guy's name? Hokimura? Uh, Rui Hachimura. How good is that guy? Really, I mean, he's him and John Moran are two of the four Player of the Year finalists in the country. It's those how two. big? How big's Hochi Mura? Six eight, six nine. Is he an NBA guy? Yeah, 
And then they got Brandon Clark, who's like the defensive player of the year finalist. And then they got this other guy, Killian Tilly, who's 6'10 and hits threes. Like, they, like do, just, they, do they think this is their most complete team ever? I don't know if they do, but I do. <laughs> I mean, they're just so – they're like they got six dudes. Have they more. ever been a one seed before? Um, Maybe I think three times. Stuff. I think this is the third – I want to say it's the third time. Okay. But this they this to, year they, they came in the, when they get to the national championship was it two years ago or yeah. was it last seventeen, and they lost to Nova, or North Carolina. North Carolina. That was the year they had the dude done the Trailblazers. Now Collins was coming off the bench. Yeah, yeah. John, I think. I was getting it. I was texting with a buddy of mine, and he was like, "Can you imagine if the NBA had the same rules as the NFL? How good Duke's team oh would my be? God. They would have Tatum." Their starting lineup guy would be Marvin Bagley, Zion, would be their bigs. Tatum would be their small forward. R.J. Barrett would be their shooting guard. And probably Trey Jones would be their point guard. But then their bench would be, like, Luke Kennard, Wendell Carter, Cam Reddish. Like, their team would be so much better than every team, it might not be funny. Now, like, Kentucky would have Fox, SKG, all the dudes they got now. There would be, you know, the Gonzaga would still be really good. But Duke would just be stupid. Marvin Bagley, Zion, and Tatum. They should, and, in that scenario, they should redshirt Grayson Allen. Allen and bring him back. Guy, besides John Morant, you could argue should go to. Like their team would be incredible. Duke, Coach K's had a pretty unreal like three year run of recruiting these guys. What's um? What's the Kansas? Is Auburn favored right now? Kansas. This is uh, uh, Saturday night. Villanova, Purdue is kind of tasty. Purdue minus four, I think. What game did you say? Yeah, um, Kansas getting two points. Two points. What's up with this Kansas team? Like, are they good? Are they not good? Are they, well, they underachiever? Well, like, I think they've gotten a little too – like, they had a key player hurt, a key player never got eligible, and then a key player left the team. They start four freshmen, John. They start four freshmen. But, um, they're like, Diedrich Lawson, this guy, again, it's hard to judge some of these games. Another 6'8 guy that can stretch it out, but – Dominate in the paint. I don't know. I kind of like Kansas tomorrow, but what, what what was the typical basketball like when you when you were just walking around the arena yesterday? Basketball players in sweats. A lot of basketball players in sweats. No, I didn't see a lot. Of, I mean, I saw guys that were like going to and from the lot, like if they were about to. So they play were just or... wearing their jersey and shit. Um, I just didn't you end up they... walking by the players that much. Oh, you didn't. Like in the hallway, you mean? Like a couple times, I saw like a dude getting interviewed in the hallway for by ESPN or. Podium. Basketball players just wear the shit out of sweats. Wouldn't you? You know, like, in, like America, in football, America wears the shit out of sweats. Yeah, I mean, I'm wearing them right now. But you know, in like college football, when you go to a game, you gotta like save and make them wear a suit or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the, it's not the way basketball works. I didn't see any of that. No. Did you see coaches walking co- around? Uh, I saw, I I saw Bayheim. I think I saw a few, but that was a post 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 game. So they were both. How, t- how tall you think Mark Few is? Five, I think nine. So he's got a little little chip on his shoulder. Doesn't was look he, like he it. Formal? Was, was he a little point guard back in the day? I don't know about his playing days. Maybe five ten, but I, he doesn't like. I've never. I've talked to him a few times. I've never gotten that kind of. What would you guess I get about one sixty? He doesn't cut, carry a lot of fat on him, huh? No, he's got a runner's runner's build. Do you think he's a runner? I know he's a big outdoors guy, hiker, fisherman. So he's a he's uh pretty active. Lives on thirty acres in Spokane. Who would you say is the most active coach? He's a big Maui guy. I know that, John. Big Maui guy. 
Who would, would you say Kyle Kyle Whittingham most active coach? Definitely uh, weight room activity. Um, he's big uh, on that, uh, and a swimmer. Um, any any of the Pac-12 basketball coaches pretty active? Mm, John Miller seems like a grind film eat pizza guy. Bobby Hurley just doesn't eat. Uh, Seriously, game day he doesn't eat. He just drinks Diet Coke. He says he does not eat. He does food. not eat on game day. That way, when the game has started, he feels like he has sacrificed. Swear to God, that's yeah. his thing. And he didn't start doing that until he started coaching. Sacrifice for what, though? Just sacrifice. Just he's put he's put something into this to this fight. Like I, the players I just, have. Yeah. Intermediate yeah. fasting's really taken off. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think it's good. But I don't think that's why he's doing it. I think he just he thinks he gets his mind right. Um, yeah. What do you think Jay Wright's workout? What do you think Jay Wright does? It's like ten minutes on the treadmill and then just yeah. Just, I, just, I just think his he thing is DNA. Looking, yeah, I just think he wakes up looking pretty good. What's he, your he's an under, he's an underrated, pretty smooth cat. Like you could tell he respect Randy Bennett. Like I, my one beef with that game is St. Mary's game plan was to not get into a run and gun with those guys because that was kind of their thing. Run, gun, shoot threes. I think they led the country in threes. They slowed it down. It was like a football game. They tried to just run the ball, keep the ball away from them. So every possession was down to like the last five seconds. It was Randy Bennett's game plan to keep the game a little low scoring. And in fairness, it it probably he'd probably say, we had no business even playing with them. It's the reason it was a tight game. But when you fucking have money on St. Mary's, you're like, you guys got, you just shoot the goddamn ball. <laughs> it was pass, pass, pass. Again, like, I, I get the game plan. But once they kind of got it close, I thought, just let it rip. What what was the guy's name that plays like plays like Steph? Is it Ford? Jordan Ford, yeah. It, they kinda, like, that game plan neutralized him a little bit. And I, I get it. Like, Nova's just better. They, they This team kind of plays like St. Mary's, right? Just... A lot of shots, running and gunning. Because that's how, wouldn't you say St. Mary's usually plays? Just runs teams out of the gym? Or am I, are they a slower-paced team, typically? Yeah. I don't I pay mean, that much. I think this year their problem is they just don't, like, Ford is really their only score. But they usually yeah, do have more scores. So maybe that's what he'd tell you. Like, we're just not equipped to get into a run-and-gun game with this team. But it's just the one thing you see in these games when they're tight like basketball always turns into this. Do you got to do to get you a bucket? And Nova had multiple. Well, that's what a buddy of mine texted me the other day. He's like, you know what's great about the tournament? Well, it was last night, I guess, or yesterday morning. It was just like, it's just all these clutch free throws from dudes that are terrified. <laughs> it's like all these moments are like guys are. So this is what I was going to tell you. New Mexico State Auburn. Auburn's up by two with five seconds left. New Mexico State takes a three, misses the three, gets fouled. So they got like an 82% free throw shooter going to the line to shoot three free throws to win the game. Down two. Down two, three free throws. Like How a, much time left? Two and a half. Misses the first one. Okay, he can tie the game still. Makes the second one. Okay, he, it's a one-point game. Misses the third one. Ball gets batted around, goes out of bounds. New Mexico State ball with like a second and a half. So he missed two of the three, but they're still only down one. Inbounds. Dude who hit like three threes in the second half gets it wide ass open in the corner, airballs it. Like, you know the that shit. to me is the tournament. Like it's not the tournament is not just buzzer beaters. The tournament is also like good players making awful plays. My my problem with college basketball. So let's say he hits all three. Auburn calls timeout. You don't get to advance the ball. 
Right. I don't like that rule in college basketball. It makes it very, very hard to go two seconds. Yeah, so I go back and forth on that because there have been a lot of times, more times than not, where I agree with you and I really want it. Like the women's game, you can do it in the last minute, uh, and it's cool. But there are other times where I've seen it where I'm like, I've said this, where like they don't deserve it. Like they, they don't deserve to have the ball. There are, there are times that I feel that way. Like they don't deserve to have this ball at half court. Like that's too easy. I would change it though just because it makes, I'm with you, it makes games more fun. Yeah, it just makes games more fun in that situation. But I, I'm with you. Like, you feel the intensity on a kid in those situations oh when they're getting fouled. I watched one guy yesterday who was like an 88% free throw shooter, missed the first one, barely hit the rim. Just like, And you could see him, like, it was one of these deals. He misses the first, and then the other team spends like three minutes going back and forth across the lane between shots. And the dude is just like standing there, like grabbing his shorts, rubbing his hands, grabbing his shorts, looking around, grabbing his shorts, just like freaking you could watch him just freaking out he made the turn the tournament's badass this it's just a great it's really this four-day stretch is pretty special now the sweet 16 you can get some incredible matchups like thursday and friday next week don't really suck either no and really saturday sunday aren't bad either because you're cutting down the nets going the final four tournament's fucking outstanding all right on to a couple football things here uh first what'd you think of willie mcginnis talking about Nick Bosa um, on NFL Network. We watched the video. I guess this was Thursday, and Willie's been was Willie at his pro day. Uh, Willie was at the combine for sure. Willie was at the com- Willie was you know commentating at the combine with the D lineman. I, I don't think he was at the pro day. No, um, but he I think he was. Said, he was in NFL Network when the pro day was going on. Okay, he dropped one of these. Uh, you know, he's a really good college player. He said that. He called him a really good college player, which is always code for I'm not so sure he's a pro, which is fine. Like, I didn't think Willie – right, I watched it. You told me, like, Willie's not up there, like, trying to get attention. He's just talking. And then I watched it, and you are right. He was just – here's what I think. I'm not I'm not afraid to say that I'm not totally seeing it with this guy. Yeah, I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with Willie. Now, I, I do think Twitter will tell you that everyone's racist. There – Oftentimes in sports, there's this thing called reverse racism where you see a white guy and you go, he can't be that good. And that's that's a real thing. And it make, might make some people uncomfortable, but it's just a fact. I'm not saying Willie's saying that, but you just see Nick Bosa and you go, this guy is going to be the next fucking Khalil Mack or what? Hell, this guy's going to be his brother because I don't see it. Uh, clearly Willie doesn't see it. I talked to a buddy in the league that thought he was a little stiff in the workout. And again, like, oh, you're just, you're overthinking it. You're nitpicking. Yeah, that's what happens with top five picks. They get nitpicked. (laughs) You're about to pay this guy $30 million. Sorry, you know, these, these companies that are the teams get, you know, have high standards for someone they're going to give $30 million to. It's the way the world works. Le'Veon Bell yesterday was like, the Steelers used to get mad at me for, like, playing video games. Yeah, Le'Veon, they're paying you $12 million. They want you to be focused on football. Sorry, novel concept. You know, <laughs> the company that pays you a lot wants you to be locked in. Uh, welcome to life. Uh, but I, I sound I, like Tom Izzo. Well, you want to get in Tom Izzo? Because I got some thoughts on that, too. Willie Not McGinnis really. is one of the great just physical specimens in life. So he's going to – even Willie Nick Bosa. Like still play. Yeah, Nick Bosa is 6'3", 250, whatever. But relative to Willie looks at this guy is going to do what I did. Former first-round pick, top-ten pick from USC that became an all-pro, borderline Hall of Famer. So I don't blame Willie McGinnis for looking at him and going, this guy? Again, tape speaks for itself. 6'5", 270, according to Willie. 
According to Wiki, Wiki, Willie's Wiki. He's fucking massive. And I think Willie's also standing there and seeing Rashawn Gary, seeing some of these other guys that are just bigger. Josh Allen. Just go, I, I... Twitter loves telling everyone and social media and the draft people that never worked in the NFL, like, size doesn't matter. Why do we worry so much about arm length? Because it does matter. And I'm not saying this is Nick Bosa's problem, but when you're not the biggest guy in the room, and that doesn't always necessarily translate to being a great football player, some guys just judge you. They just, I'll bet against that guy. And more often, when you bet on against the little guys, you're going to be right more well, often than you're wrong. You know what, John? Not to make again, it. Again, he's not little, but. So not to make this about the tournament again, but like I was just doing some reading on some of the Auburn guys the other day. Guess who leads them in steals? The guy's six eight, but he's got a seven foot wingspan. Like Matisse Thybul, defensive final player of the year finalist for Washington. Guess what? Seven foot wingspan, longer arms than height makes him deceptive, well, well, and it makes him. It's like this. To me, it's to not me the accident. dead giveaway is Draymond. You ever walk by Draymond? He's six four five. I mean, he's tall for his arms. Fucking hang down to his knees. His arm length is in his. He has the arm like I would imagine if you like text someone in the wars of a six nine guy. Well, arm length has got to be outside like the scouts. All you like all you guys, it's a it's a thing that. I, but it's one of the more underrated qual. Like we always want to know about vert and height, but arm length is so underrated. Well, why do we talk about in a fight when it's one on one? There's the really reach. one thing that matters, right? Reach. Because yeah. if you can hit me and I can't hit you, that's a problem. If you play defensive line and I can touch you, Jason Peters has 35 inch arms, and you can't touch me. Like Jonah Williams, the Alabama tackle, they might have to play guard. Has short arms, and I know Joe Staley working out with them is like, well, that's not a bit. It's not a big deal. I had shorter arms too. Yeah, Joe, you were one of the best athletes to ever play tackle. This guy's not, and Von Miller can touch him, and he can't touch you know that guy. So that's a problem. And I what? think when we talk about the lines, arm length really matters, offensive and defensive linemen, because again, it's individual one-on-one fights it's like it's talk about it like re- we would reach in a boxing match so there were two middle there were two specific critiques from willie mcginnis one was he thought that when he watched the film and nick bosa that nick wasn't producing as well against what he called the big dogs like the big dogs is not where nick made his hay according to willie um and remember like that was one of the big things with khalil mack right was that he got he got that one shot at buffalo at ohio state and it, as it turned out, an NFL offensive lineman and was incredible. Kind of like the John Morant, Florida State, John Morant, Marquette, whatever. Um, and then his other critique was he just thought that he wasn't great in space. He, his what, Willie's other thing was like in a league where you got to be able to get out and cover and drop, that's not mm-hmm. Nick's strength. And that was his other concern. So those were the two like main things that, that Willie hit on. Well, to me, my, my counter for Willie's second critique is he's a 4-3 defensive end. He should never be dropping in space. And he was kind of calling him an outside linebacker, which is... Yeah, see, I, I view him as a 4-3 defensive end. I think most NFL teams do, which fits what the Niners and what the Raiders do. Like, he is a 4-3 defensive end. My only question is, is his upside to be an elite player that you're going to have to draft in the top five there? Twitter draft Knicks tells you it is. Some people in the NFL don't feel quite as confident. Now, I think what makes him a little different is that he has a brother who is, I don't know what, a top five defensive lineman in the NFL. Now, do you feel like his brother, is the hype on Nick stronger than Joey because of Joey, you think? Because of the name? 
Like if it was just if this was Nick Haberman and not Nick Bosa, would we talk about him like we do? No, I think the fact that he's a Bosa, that his brother was not just really good, but that his brother was kind of I don't want to say controversial, but just the unsigned that the fact that he didn't sign and he became a story and I think when a guy doesn't sign, people start rooting for him to fail, but then he didn't fail, he did the opposite, he backed it up. Like that whole thing Right, was like, oh shit, he's, he kind of he, he shoved sweet. it in everybody's face. He's sweet. <laughs> right? He's good. Um, and then the element with the dad, and then the element that he leaves school early, and it's like, you know, when people started talking trash about Joey, because Joey didn't sign, and then he shoved it in everyone's face, I think it's kind of the same deal. Like, this guy's going to leave school, but it's kind of like, wait, is he going to shove it in everybody's face too? Like, is, is it weird good? with the Boses? It's like, there's a lot of shit with them, but nothing's really that bad. Like, what is the worst thing he held out? Well, it's, he's not the agent. You know, they've had injuries. You can't, they don't want to get hurt. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, there's a lot of smoke. And I think that these people are just, is there going to be a fire there? Is eventually, because like, I'll give you an example. The Watts. JJ became the best defensive player in the NFL. Then his brother TJ was pretty big time. And he's become a really good player. Was drafted in the 20s. And his other brother, Derek, who's a fullback, they kind of just, why do the Watt brothers kind of fly under the radar? Doesn't it feel like, his brother that's in Pittsburgh, which one's that? TJ. That's the that's the, the linebacker. Yeah, he was good. Like I think he had like ten sacks last year. Did it feel to you like him being a lot worked against him? Like people yeah, kind of. people yeah. felt like, oh, he must only be getting attention because he's a Watt, but he's actually not that great. Well, I think if you redid that draft, he guy he had he has played two years, he has twenty sacks, he had thirteen last year. If they redid that draft Pittsburgh got him at like 25, no chance he makes out of the top 15. I think we talk about him more if his name was TJ Henderson. Guy, he had 13, he had more sacks last year than D Ford. I don't think people, oh, TJ, oh, that's just JJ. Yeah, JJ's brother who fucking dominates. Yeah, I don't, why, why why is that? How about, and I get fullback is not, his little brother might be the best fullback in the league. Like, their family dominates. Now, I think the question, but the difference is you could have drafted Derek and like, the sixth round you got tj in the late first to get the boses you got to draft in the top 10 right you got to draft in the top five yeah i don't know like I if mean... you tell if you tell me that nick bosa becomes tj watt like if the niners draft nick bosa and through two seasons he has 20 sacks they'd feel pretty good about it right right you think in two seasons bosa will have 20 sacks no you'd say the likelihood is not high yeah i don't but again i I, this is one of the more fascinating drafts in years because all these guys are pretty good, but some of them are going to be better than others, and I think they're just kind of all clumped together, and no one really knows. Like the one year that all the receivers went in the first round and turned out to be really good, like if you got Odell Beckham or you got Mike Evans or you got Brandon Cooks, like they all turned out to be sweet. So now some of them have moved teams or whatever, but none of those GMs got knocked for that pick, right? If you took Brandon Cooks, if you took Odell Beckham, if you took Mike Evans, it was just a lucrative receiver draft. Like everyone got credit. More than usual drafts that happen, like you got more credit for taking Fletcher Cox and not taking Michael Brockers and Don Terry Pub, right? It usually works that way. One guy turns out to be sweet, and the one's other solid, and the other gets injured and is just never that great. And I think that's what this draft kind of feels like. Where last year's draft, for example, was, do you know what it looks like now? 
the team's happy with McGlinchey. The team loves Roquan Smith. Quentin Nelson, they wouldn't trade him for the world. Sam Darnold, they're on top of the world. Baker Mayfield, even Saquon Barkley. Like, everyone last year in the top 10 feels pretty excited today, don't they? By the way, how many, like, after week one, just legit, oh, my God, what a pick moments were there for Sam Darnold? But he had he threw, like, four touchdowns in his first game. No, no, no. what I'm saying is, so take that out. After that, how many moments were there? Like, we talk about Sam, I feel like, like the Jets, like, we've got the – but I'm just like, I watched the rest of the season. I don't remember that many moments that I was like, the hero is here. But that's how we talk about him. Like, Well, the team was atrocious. I know, I know. I'm just saying, like, I don't I, – I, do you remember any other moments? Like, I mean, he had one – yeah, he had one other moments – moment i think against the g he plays for the jets maybe the bills or maybe the dolphins yeah, yeah I'm, where he I'm, threw like four touchdowns and a couple deep bombs to robbie anderson yeah there were, i'm sure there were a couple i'm just saying like we talked yeah, about yeah there weren't many moments i like it don't get me wrong i'm rooting guy for it's hard to have moments when you're running back you can't name them and your best receiver is robbie anderson like that happened yeah yeah uh, we'll see if you'll be uh we'll be having these conversations when Le'Veon bell and they have Nikhil harry yeah mccagnan's out there saving his job yeah, I'm not a big McCagnan guy, but who knows? Well, I mean, what what you just said about this draft applies to this, too. This is uh, Scott Bear. Our buddy Scott Bear tweeted, Kentucky edge rusher Josh Allen told Tom Pilicero of NFL Network that he had dinner with Mike Mayock last night. Realistic option at number four. Raiders have been getting to know top prospects better from Alabama to Ohio State to Kentucky Pro Days. By the way, uh, Mike Mayock in the category, in the conversation of like in shape dudes in sports. Um, give me that workout regimen. Got well, guy. He's in like his early sixties, and Real he looks mobile. fantastic. I know. Um, but like, okay, so here's you don't Joshua. you don't think he's a big like burger and fry guys in the airport? But I feel like he gets it done without any weird diets. Like he doesn't do intermittent intermittent fasting. He's not but, keto. But it, he's just just does him. To me, intermittent fasting is just like taking breakfast off, right? Isn't that what it is? I, I don't know a ton about it, but yeah, um, I bet he. I bet he just eats kind of healthy. Yeah, he's just he's, yeah. Uh, he's probably. If you told me he's eating the same thing for lunch for the last seventeen years, I'd believe you. Most skinny people do that. <laughs> uh, you ever do a thing where you just you you like set out to uh, you know I'll probably have a salad tonight for dinner. And then dinner rolls around and you order a hamburger and like two bites into the hamburger, you realize like, holy shit, I totally forgot about that salad plan. Like you didn't think about it when you did the order. You just, I, I've had it for you where I just totally forgot that I was going to get something healthy today. <laughs> just totally slipped my mind. I, I've had the greatest seven day stretch of healthy eating in my entire life. Like legitimately not many carbs, mainly salads. And it's really hard. Like it is. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. Now, was that like life. a? Did you make that decision? Like next seven yeah, days? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I just, I just have to eat healthy. Like I, I've just been a historically terrible eater. Yeah. And I need to eat healthier. It's tough. And I, and I, and I intermediate. I don't eat breakfast on most days. Like I just don't eat till lunch. And the farther you go, you realize you're not as hungry as you think you are. You don't always need to eat. And I used to always be like that. And I don't need to be like that anymore. But it is difficult. And but I think once you get on a routine like Mayox, or I think athletes can get on a good routine. Now they burn more calories, but just when eating healthy, it like you just feel a lot better. Now yeah. again, I, I'm as dirty of an eater as it going, and most of these guys like in the draft process. One thing that gets difficult for these guys, and I, Nick Bosa talked a little bit about it with DJ, and Josh Allen's going to have this too. 
is the next month is pretty crazy. Like you're just flying from team to team. Like, but again, you're not really playing anytime soon. So you're not working. It's just, it kind of wears these guys out. And I, I saw one thing's going to be interesting. Like if you want Josh Allen to have a private workout for you, it used to always be, you never said no to anything. You'd be stupid to right now. These guys was a couple years ago when, uh, Sidney Jones got hurt. He got hurt at the pro day. But there was a guy last year that got hurt at a private workout, a defensive lineman. It's like, what are we doing this for? Like, why am I, I got, working out this many times? Yeah, what, what's the point of this? Now, yeah, I agree. To, to me, there, you would never have that mindset for dinners and interviews, right? You always take those. But and like, I think if you're out, a quarterback like, and you can throw, the throwing yeah, aspect is pretty easy. Go meet with it's the OC, easy. whatever. To me, the throwing aspect for them is not as crazy as doing like – the crazy backpedal, yeah, it's just it wears those guys out. These guys, it's like hitting golf balls for a golfer. It's easy. It's not easy. I mean, there's pressure into it, but it's like, whatever. I'm going to throw to some receivers at their facility. It's cake. But I think the Josh Allen, it's going to be interesting, and I think you're going to see it this year for the first time. You're going to see guys just like, I'm not doing private workouts. Now, if you're a late first-round pick or early second-round pick, you can't have that mindset. But for Josh Allen, Bosa, Quinn and Williams – I'd say even like the sweats and Rashawn Gary's, I would only do interviews and only from this point on, now that I've worked out, we'll go to dinner. I'll come chalk talk with you, but I ain't putting on basketball shorts beside when I go to bed for you. Like I, I'm not working out. Cause one is it's not worth it. Right. Like breaking a leg. Yeah. I guess you wouldn't break a leg, but tearing Achilles or tearing ACL. So I, I think these interviews and I think with the top guys, they've done enough. This shit's really important. You know, I, people on Twitter love it. We've all interviewed for various jobs in our life. Do you know what's crazy about an interview? Like when you got hired in 95-7 or I got hired in Philly, they didn't know that much about you or me or whoever. And most people in interviews are like this wherever you go. Then when you meet with the person in person – and you try to show them what whatever that individual job is, but then you interview about life or whatever. It's not that long, and then they kind of determine whether they're going to hire you off that. They don't know that much about you. The difference in the NFL, I do know a lot about, if I'm Mike Mayock, about Josh Allen. I've had scouts go in there. I have a bunch of background information. Then I've watched him as a player. Like When I go to interview him, I know way more about that individual than the average company, whatever, when they just hire a normal human, right? Yeah, But it still is, like, whenever you do meet with someone, that first impression, dating's not that much different. It, it it does matter how they think about you, that interaction. Now, it's not that you can't overcome it and come back. We've seen people interview poorly and still get jobs and turn out okay or bad first date, you end up marrying them, whatever. But this shit does, like, there is a lot of pressure on these interviews, guys. Right, but, uh, but the thing that's so unique about it, right, is, like, what mattered more than my interview at 95.7 was my audition. What probably mattered more than your interview with the Eagles was your recommendations. Yeah, right? well, well, like, it, 100%, but it's still like you had to, when you sat down, if you had been some fucking crazy weirdo, they might have said no. Like, yeah, but, yeah they also might not have, but they also might not have known if I was a crazy weirdo, right? They might not have been able to tell in 30 minutes. One 100%. Day. I'm just saying if so, you do come off terribly. Yeah, 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 yeah no, I agree with you, you but my ultimate point is like, that that's the equivalent of the tape for these guys yeah well yeah but they can that's where audition kind of is unique because that they did have some tape but 
like you can sit down, like you know, like let's just say Mayock just likes, he thinks Josh Allen is head and shoulders above everybody else. So this, which is, which is fair to say that if you just follow Mike Mayock's career, that's not inconceivable. That's his thought. It's right? not. But I remember, do you remember the Senior Bowl two years ago with Josh Allen? And Josh Allen, I think, did the interview and Mayock was there. And Mayock loved him. <laughs> it's like, oh man, he, oh man, this. Isn't that, is that when you kind of started liking him? Yeah, because his interview was just like he just started hammering him with questions, and he just it was like Josh and Josh was kind of funny and kind of whatever. That Josh Allen, the quarterback, not this Josh Allen, and not, not disputable that Josh Allen, the quarterback, is really likable. You know, having followed well, him on social media, like it's, I, I'm. I just remember thinking that interview mattered to Mayock. Like Mayock yeah. put a lot in his interaction with Josh Allen, the quarterback. That's that's what I, that was my point and. You know, I like. Is there a chance? What are the odds that Josh Allen is the best player available on the board, on the Raiders board when they drafted four? I think it's there's a pot now. Whether he's got to be there at four, but if he's there, there's a good chance he's their BPA. Why is there a chance, guy, that on Mike Mayock's board, Josh Allen's the number one player? That's a that's that is a good distinction there. It might not be the Raiders board, but it's Mike Mayock's board. Well, they have two separate boards, as we've learned. Gruden does his own thing. Even Mayock, but just Mike Mayock's going to have his own board. When I was in Philly, how he had his own board. As scouts, you have you have your own board. Like you rank, then you get together as a team, but you still have your own board, right? You may like a guy more than your scouts, and then you kind of come to an agreement, or maybe you don't even give a shit what they think, like most teams. But I, I think there's a decent chance, if I just had to go from watching Mike Mayock and evaluating his evaluating, I bet he likes Josh Allen more than Nick Bosa. I bet he does, because there are less questions on him. High character. I could just see. I haven't seen Josh Allen interviewed. Just read about his story. And again, sometimes stories can paint a guy different than he yeah. actually is as a human. So you got to be careful with that. But if the stories read like he is, I bet Mike Mayock likes him a lot. But does he fit? Let's Paul Gunther want him. Well, is he? Is he? A lot of people I've talked to think he's more of a three-four than a four-three. Now you could argue that what does that even mean anymore? because uh, you're just in passing situations so often and you, you, most coaches let you stand up and put your hand in the ground, whatever you want to do and more comfortable with. Like Vic Fangio, if you want to stand up, stand up. If you want to put your hand in, I don't care. You just just where you line up. Uh, but that is the one thing I learned in Philly more than anything who did the sport of football is how much the fit matters. And when you try to – if you really study the tape and go, God, this guy is much more of a true 3-4 – and you try to fit that in, that's where it can get ugly, and a guy can look like he's not good when he is a good player. That's, I think for as many busts as we have, like dudes that are just lazy, dumb, whatever, Jamarcus Russell's of the world, Trent Richardson's, that just just flame out. There are a lot of like high-character hard workers that flame out opportunity one just because it wasn't right. And mm -hmm. we, we saw this a lot with Al Davis's picks in the 2000s, like, Damn, Mike Mitchell had a 15-year career. Damn, Darius Hayward. But sometimes when you get out and you go to new situations, yep. you're like, damn, this guy can play. Carlos Rogers with the, with the 49ers, yeah. with Harbaugh. So true. I mean, there's there's 30 teams. I mean, there's 30 head coaches. That means there's 30 offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators, a quarterback's coach and receiver's coach and D-line coaches and linebacker's coaches. And, but like, I think with defense, with defense, there are two distinct schemes that are pretty dramatically different for players. Yeah, well, I'm just you saying, know? okay, so let's cut the league in half. Let's just say it's 15 and 15. That's half the teams in the league, potentially, then are, are not the place where a guy could have the most success. So the odds that you end up on one of those 15 teams are pretty good. It's half the league. 
Yeah. So there's a good chance you end up on now. You would hope that teams can recognize 60, 32 it. teams, 32. Sorry. I'm thinking about baseball, but let's just like the odds are good that you just don't end up in the right spot the first time or the second time or the third time. It, it's, it's, you know, who we, you know, who we saw this with my last year in the league was Dion Jordan, who was unreal at Oregon. I mean, six five, ran like a deer. You liked him, I remember, right? Well, fuck, everyone liked him. I mean, he was just like a can't miss prospect. But he was a three four outside linebacker. The Dolphins, who ran a four three scheme. Now it turned out he had some demons and he got caught up in South Beach. But you got, you know, he plays for Seattle. Like he's still in the league, doing pretty well. He was meant for a four. Or he's kind of that Leo hybrid. What a, his career changed, but he got off to such a disastrous start because yeah. he did not fit. It just didn't make sense. Now, again, he might have had some demons. He, he might have gotten his own way no matter what. But the scheme fit was horrendous. And we see it all the time with specific players really high because you go, this guy's so goddamn good, we got to have him. And in basketball, it's easier to do in basketball, right? We already got a small forward and a power forward, but fucking we're, we're taking Zion. And you just positionless basketball. Football's not positionless. It's like, well, we'll just – let him kind of do what he does. Well, no, he's got a – in your scheme, he's got a kind of two-gap or whatever. Like, remember the Chip Kelly defensive scheme? It was like, what is wrong with DeForest Buckner? This looks weird. And you know what? He's just perfect for a one-gap up-the-field scheme. Chip Kelly scheme sucks in, in modern-day football defensively. It's not just Chip Kelly. It's It works for some teams, like the Ravens. They're like a 3-4, two-gap, but they get the right players for it. Chip wanted two gap, but he wanted guys that were six seven. It's like, yeah, it's gonna be hard for that guy to stay low. You know, the Ra the Ravens guys were all like six two, three twenty. Like, good luck moving that guy. It's easy to get DeForest. Like, yeah, he can't take on a double team. That's not his deal. I mean, there's probably a million examples. I think we two of the great what ifs we live with, which is <laughs> Brady in New England and Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Like, if Aaron Rodgers had been, you know, now Alex got drafted by the Niners and still overcame it all, but I don't think Alex is normal. Like I think most people in Alex Smith's situation, it would not have worked out as well as it did. Well, he wouldn't have. He would have been out. But like, he's like so mentally left. tough. I, I just yeah. like. But, but I like, also if, think the team wouldn't have stuck by him that long. The, the team was so bad they couldn't find. They kept trying to get guys yeah. better than him, and they couldn't find anybody. And then because they maybe got it turned lucky. out he was good. Maybe that's why Tim Rattay didn't beat him out because Alex was solid. Well, and here's the other thing in 2000. 10 when Harbaugh got here or 11 whatever Harbaugh's first year was if for whatever reason Harbaugh whoever they had hired did not like Alex he would have been gone so it, it took that yeah. Jim Harbaugh luckily saw something and wanted to keep but, but if Aaron Rodgers had been drafted if the Browns had taken Aaron Rodgers instead of Braylon Edwards number three like I, I don't I really don't know if this if we would know Aaron Rodgers as well what, what if the Niners had taken Rodgers what if uh the Raiders had taken Rodgers like yeah. what are we looking at here so like I do think to, to is there the is Raiders. there a chance Rodgers out of the league if one of those teams yeah, tries? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yes, it's crazy. I don't not to. I, I, there's a chance. I'm not saying it would happen. I'm not saying he still would have been great. Maybe he would have been great everywhere. But I don't think we can say that we know. But one one other thought here, you made me think of this on the Raiders. Like I think we, everyone kind of thinks that John Gruden leans offensive guys because of course he does, right? But I do wonder if he's got an incentive to take a pass rusher high just to prove that the Khalil Mack trade was worth it. Like, if he can conceivably replace Khalil with his first pick this year and get another blue-chip rusher, then he can kind of say, like, hey, like, Daryl Morey's not the only one that loved that trade, everybody. Like, it was the right thing. There's a lot of pressure on that guy then to be excellent. 
like to be an all rookie player than by year two be an all pro pro bowler. Like it's not you can't just be solid. Yeah, I don't right? know. I'm just I'm just thinking about John and defensive guys. I don't know. There's the thing. Well, I I also think that just this draft he doesn't have a choice. Like who, who who's he gonna draft number four right. if he stays? Like the, the the only crazy thing I guess he could do One is like that crazy Devin White. Would it be if he took like DK Metcalf? Would he get crushed? <laughs> Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I just think they take a defensive player because that's just who's there. That's just the inventory. Now, the one curveball would be: Does he take a quarterback? Can he trade Derek? Would well, that? Would you Kyler say? Thing. Would you say if he were to trade Derek and take a quarterback, it'd be the craziest, more than likely, the number one story of day one if that yeah. were to happen? Yeah. Because would that? Because would that either- Trump? Let's say Kyler went one, and he still took, like, Dwayne Haskins or Drew Locke and traded Derek. Would that trump Kyler going one? Yeah, because we're ready for the Kyler going one thing. Would you say it'd trump it because it's Gruden slash he, like, let Derek think he was a made man, and then he let Derek hang out with Antonio? The number two and number three, less so, more so. But that's definitely an element, but more so just it's Gruden, and it's a quarterback going higher than we thought it would go, and it's a curveball. Yeah. What would you put percentage that Gruden tr- get, does that? Trades Derek and takes a quarterback. If Under Kyler's 30%? not there, I feel like it's low. What would you say? Under 30%? Yeah, if Kyler's not there, I feel like it's low. Like 5%? Maybe 10. Maybe, yeah, 10 even feels kind of high to me. What do you think? Yeah, just, I, I'd be hard-pressed to see it because he could just justify, well, we'll just come back. we got multiple picks next year. If it doesn't work out, I'll just come up and get a guy. Yeah, you just – and I feel like Mac would be like, look, dude, like let's let's deal with our holes, like our real holes here, even if it yeah. got to that. So five, yeah. And then we'll, then we'll know if this guy's our guy. Right. But I just don't think he can be discounted of just – No, he can't. Of just not giving a shit, guy, of what people think he should do. Yeah. Is there an element? Because it felt Chip had a little bit of this, and I do too on, like, Twitter, just to be contrarian, to be contrarian. Like, I'm not saying Gruden would necessarily be contrarian to, like, prove it to the masses, but I think he kind of likes thinking that everyone thinks he's crazy. Don't you? I think he loves that people think he's – I think there are – yes. He, he, Gruden would be the guy that likes playing on the road in basketball if he was a player right yeah yeah i, I which i I, think, I do respect that i do too because i i think part of his actions over the last month like fuck you guys yeah you don't think i, I always do, like think i'm outdated? Tend to like that <laughs> but it's not always the right way it's, it's not always no the it's, you it, focus I, I would say it's not the right way and, and I don't know, like, the, the other question, right, is does he make decisions based on that or does he just make his own decisions and then enjoys that part of it? Those are two different things. And I think I it's probably that. I don't think we can, I don't think we can answer that question. Yeah. You, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, well, Iowa had a big comeback in Cincinnati while we were doing this podcast. Well, I, Cincinnati was winning? Yeah. Weren't they? What do you think of Mick Cronin's look? Small, bald, cleanly shaved? I mean, Pale. Well, he doesn't see much. That's the one thing about basketball coaches. The, the white ones aren't tan. They do not see the sun. You are not outside. Like basketball coaches, at least football coaches, during practice until the winter comes, you're outside every basketball. When do they ever go outside, guy, besides like walking to the cafeteria? That's the thing with Jay Wright. It's like, Jay, how come your neck and your chest is the same color? Like, how do you pull that off? Are you just going? Uh, you, yeah, he can't. Yes. <laughs> 
but it's natural. It's it's clearly a natural. Just maybe it's just is he Italian? Maybe it's just his skin tone. Might be he's just and, olive. And when, I, and when I say walk to the cafeteria, like John Calipari walk to the cafeteria, people bring him his food. Right. So who's what's Iowa's coach's name? Is that Fram Dumpy? Uh, McCaffrey Dumpy was Temple. Oh. Uh, what's what's his first name? Fran. Fran McCaffrey. Yeah. Did he's you? Did you see, by the way, the uh... – Isn't Iowa, don't you think, kind of an underrated athletic program? Yeah. Did you see the Phil Martelli press conference? After the game? No, no, no. He invited reporters to his house, like yesterday, in Philly. Because he retiring? No, he got fired, and, like, all the Philly guys are – like, the whole coaching community is angry about it. He'd been there since, like, 98, right? He'd been there a long time. (laughs) And – he invited everybody to his house, and he's like, the first thing he says, like, I, I just want to, uh, I want to, I owe you guys an apology. Um, you know, my plan was to do this press conference in my driveway and take my shirt off and do sit-ups on the front lawn. Because it was, you know, it's the Philly media, so they had all, all the people there had covered T.O. Yeah, yeah. So um, they, what, were they just, like, in his dining room? Yeah, I couldn't quite tell, like, in his living room or something. He was just standing up in his house. Well, why did you do it there and not the facility? I don't know. It was weird. Like, I don't know what, like, it seems like people are mad about the way they fired him. Did they have, like, an ugly, ugly divorce? I don't think, I mean, I think they made the tournament last year. I don't know what the deal was. I thought they'd been good the last four or Oh, five yeah. Years. All the, all the, like, all the, I love this, the underrated, like, the Philly, the big five, or what's it called in Philadelphia? Like, yeah, the, you know, Penn, the old uh, five, Nova, big five, St. Temple. Joe's. Yeah. yeah. Just the, the, the community they have. Yeah. Like, all those guys in that area are just beloved. It's pretty impressive. Like, if you're Jay Wright, you're like, I'm not going anywhere. Like, this is awesome. Well, the curveball is, would he go to the Sixers? Because um, I, I, Philly, Philly fans do not think Brett Brown's good. The and more, I, I think you could just watch him and just – he might not be a great coach. Good human, impressive guy. There's just – I, I think know, that man. would like, be the more I watch this. Like when you've got when you already got the bag, do you need to go get the other bag? If you really want to be an NBA coach, then do it. But if you're just doing it because it's like, ah, oh, maybe I'll try this. But I, but I think it's like his hometown. He's there. Yeah. He's won two national titles, guy in three. Like he has nothing left to prove. No, I mean, if I'm just saying, if you want he, to do he, it, he went to the mountaintop. He went back down. He's like, fuck it, I'll walk back up to the mountaintop again. If you want to do it, you should do it. But just know, like, it's but these but NBA not- jobs. What's your next? My question is, what's your next job if the Sixers fire you in three years? You retire. I mean, he's he's yeah, set. But, hold it. but if he wants to retire, he retires. Maybe he doesn't want to retire. But I think you go. I got a chance with a unreal amount. Like you don't take over those jobs. Like what ultimately got Billy Donovan to leave Florida? Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I get. It. I'm just saying. Joel Embiid, Simmons, and Tobias. I get it. I'm just saying you only take that job if that's really what you want to do. Because if it's not really what you want to do. And you're just doing but it because you feel like you credit, have to. They, let's say Brett Brown, let's say they get knocked out in the second round, swept. Brett Brown fired. They hired Jay Wright. How much love does Jay Wright get in Philly for that oh, being hot? Like, I mean, is he, he's right up there with like Doug Peter. You know, he yeah, just immediately. I'm just, saying, I'm just saying pro sports, you lose that job in three years if you're not good, no matter how much they love you. College, they love you. You can keep that job for another 12 years. I agree, but if you're ever going to take an NBA job, you just have to take one with incumbent stars. It's just perfect. It's just your your only chance to succeed. Yeah, it's perfect. You could argue there would never be a better opportunity. It would be the best job opening since the Warriors of the last seven years in the NBA. It's not like Izzo turning down the the, the Cavs. Cavs. Like, that's different. Not at all. 
And that was LeBron's year, but he didn't know LeBron was going. Yeah, it was weird. It was like, well, is LeBron going to be there, or what's the deal? They did offer him 50. And you know enough to know I don't really want to coach LeBron. They did offer him like $50 million, though. But it's just they the made, job. But again, his thing was his thing was probably like, what am I doing after? Like, I'm gonna this will blow up. LeBron will be gone, or LeBron will get me fired, and then what do I do? You see, Draymond kind of went on a Twitter rant about Izzo. <laughs> no, he was just saying like, listen, if you've been in the huddle, the reason the players held him back because they want him to move on. He's like Tom loves the guy he was ripping. The guy he was ripping came back at him. He's like any player that's been around Izzo. That's what Izzo respects the most. Yeah, now it fires him back up, but they like that's that's the program. I got no time for Twitter getting mad at like legendary coaches for yelling at a player. I got no time for Twitter on that. One, one. of the most successful program, wouldn't you say, universal approval rating of former players and parents? Yeah. <laughs> Draymond calls him like his father. Yeah, I like, mean I, it's just it's it's outrageous. Well, the basketball breakdown, who I f- follow. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that said that, like, come on, bro. Like, he claims he's Coach Nick. Like, are you Coach Nick, or are you living in this Twitter world? Well, whatever. Like, I, I, from what I saw from him, like, I think he's he's probably seen some uh, uh, some research that says, like, yelling at people doesn't uh, motivate them the right way. Like, the I read this article the other day about these uh, th- this community in Alaska where they don't yell at their kids, and they—, they uh, like they're like they raise like really because the deal is that those th- this group of people they never lose their temper like they handle adversity really really well like they spill some hot water in their igloo and the floor starts melting and everyone just they just take they're very it's like the actions of Nick Saban without the emotion of it like it's just it's all about the process in this community like they just, whatever has to be done they just do it nobody complains part of the deal is like the way they teach their kids. But, like, let's not act like that's the only way. Like, we're talking about motivating a guy in the midst of an emotional, like, he's trying to elicit an emotion because the guy was, was he loafing, running well, back to the floor? Well, I, I, like I got news. For, yeah, it's it's like. So it's a different, like, this is a different animal. Like, we're not talking well, about. I, I saw a good here. tweet. There are a couple non-negotiables in Michigan State's program. One is rebounding and one is just transition effort. Like, that's what they, their program, de- that defines their program. And, and little Izzo. And, I, and again, like, my issue with basketball breakdowns take, like, yeah, the studies or whatever, but I'm sorry, there are specific individuals that succeed that way. And you could argue the best coaches in America in all sports, whether it's Saban, whether it's Belichick, whether it's Izzo, kind of get into guys. Yeah, but, and this is, but see, this again, this is my problem with Twitter, is, like, there, there are some elements to that guy's take that are fair. Like, random dudes lighting players up doesn't work, but it works for Tom Izzo. Like, you don't just get to show up day one and start lighting everybody up. But, yeah, but Izzo's but in a we different. We think that guy's a clown. Like to even question Tom Izzo, I think you're kind of clueless. That's my thing. Yeah, I, but again, I I don't give a fuck to the point. Like, it it makes me angry that it becomes this. Where it's yeah, it like, became it became it. Yeah, but I just stayed away from it the, because there's an element where he's probably right about some coaches. Like there are probably a lot of coaches that try to be Izzo. It's like, no, dude, that's not your. But Izzo... Well, see, I took it as, like, he fundamentally looks at Izzo like he's doing it wrong. And that bothers me. And I think that bothers a lot of people. Yeah, yeah I don't care. I mean, whatever. I, I, I get so agitated by this. I know. I get triggered off other people getting triggered as well. That's the only like, time I get triggered is when other people are triggered. I'm getting retro... I stayed... I, I, I didn't avoid it on purpose. I just missed it. And now I'm retroactively triggered after the fact. Yeah, there, there's no growth without confrontation. And I, I, here's the, my other issue, guy is most guys, most males, I speak for males, 
not just in sports, but I think truly ambitious, the highest achievers want to be pushed at the highest level. And now it's not always pretty, and different industries communicate a little differently. Uh, but I, most successful people don't go the soft route and don't want the soft route. Yeah, and my point is, like, all these confrontations are not created equal. Some of them are abusive, and some of them are productive. And acting like we know which are which, or that it's all universally... If you hate it, you're soft, and if you love it, then you're a then you're a caveman. Like it doesn't work like that. It doesn't. Well, I know Twitter does. Like like uh, Elizabeth Holmes tried to be Bill Gates. Well, it turns out like she wasn't smart. Her technology didn't work. Is that Therathon or whatever? Theranos, yeah. The guy, her, her technology wasn't her. Te- she was lying. She was making shit up. Yeah, the technology didn't exist. Forget about <laughs> yeah. it. Didn't work didn't exist. She, she's the Bernie Madoff of fucking uh, pharmacies. It's like a bad she, she she faked it. But I know what you're saying. I'm just saying not everybody that yells at players gets the most out of players, and it's the other stuff that you don't see that makes that work or not work. Well, see, That's to me, I got no problem being critical of like Matt Patricia when he's making the team play practice outside and they play in a dome it's like yeah belichick you guys practice outside because you guys play outside like it's to me doing so- but tom Izzo and nick saban they, they don't get the same treatment like they've earned the equity they know what the fuck they're doing and twitter take guy doesn't get to blast them just like phil of course I, he not- does it's twitter blast away well, i mean i get it shit. but you get to be called a clown when you blast the high achievers and that's my thing it's like is everybody a clown or just do some sometimes people think some yes things, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes well, a lot yeah. of people act like clowns but uh yeah anyway all right it was, it's a good thing that everyone came out swinging at and i think most people agree that like yeah it's, that's fine when it's him yeah, and my thing is like no one. It shouldn't have been a thing to be like. I don't care that one person hates it, and I don't care that somebody defends it. Like I like that's my ultimate point. Is like this dude's just why is this a th- why does it have to be a thing? That's my problem. Because we need things. Well, what, what else are we gonna him? talk about, guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. You want to talk about the A's on two start? Uh, Ichiro retired, John. Matt Olson broke his hand. Did he really? Well, I mean, he I can't even find. Forget about watching the games. Like, I'm looking for highlights. I can't get uh, a recap. No, I know that. I know they went 12 innings the other night, or morning, or whenever. Probably could have caught yeah. the end of that. Uh, probably. It's still been a little early, but yeah, you might maybe got a couple pitches. Right. So yeah, let's get to the tourney. Later. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.